Trust 20 is the new standard of restaurant safety and diner comfort. Trust 20 restaurants are part of a national network of restaurants that meet a high standard of cleanliness and safety, giving diners confidence in the measures you're taking to keep them safe. Trust 20 restaurants receive expert guidance, operational resources, and benefit from diner-focused promotion on behalf of Trust 20 network of participants. So how do you get certified? It's easy. First, go to trust20.co and request a certification appointment. Then, a Trust20 specialist will reach out and arrange a visit. The specialist conducts a 60-minute review and consultation according to Trust20 tactics. If adjustments are needed, the Trust20 specialist will provide guidance to assist. Now that you're certified, have peace of mind that you're doing everything you can to keep your restaurant safe and start enjoying the benefits of Trust20 certification. Remember, visit trust20.co to request your certification appointment today. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We are so excited to be coming to you today. Our guest is Fleming Wilt, and he is the president of Christie Cookie Company. And he joins the show today to talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about his last 13 months has really been um, a whirlwind for him. They merged with Rich Products uh, in August of last year. There was a tornado. Their building was damaged. And then going into the pandemic, just kind of what that was like leading that company, what he sees for his future, was all things I really wanted to uncover today. And uh, we just had a great conversation. Really enjoyed talking with him. And um, want to say a quick word about Trust20, our sponsor for this episode. Um you heard on the initial there, the initial commercial that Trust 20 will do a certification for your restaurant and they're out there doing them like crazy. They are doing marketing materials, everything they possibly can to let the general public know that you are Trust 20 certified, a Marshall hospitality with um, Puckett's and Deacon's New South are two of their newest certifications. So if you'd like to be announced as one of the newest locations as well, visit trust20.co and get your certification today. Let's jump right in. With much excitement, I'd like to welcome in Fleming Wilt, who is president of Christie Cookie Company. Welcome in, Fleming. Thank you. Glad to be here, Brandon. So I'm super, super excited to get to talk to you. The, the man at the helm of such an iconic Nashville brand, Christy Cookie Company. I know I have been eating Christy cookies forever. And when somebody gives me a gift around the holiday season, any kind of cookies, if it's Christy cookies, I know that they care. <laughs> nice. Good. Thank you. Right. That, Thank that's where it is. It's like, oh, you went all out and you got the best cookies. Um, I want to talk to you about so many things. But first, let's let our listeners know just a little bit about you. You're a native Nashvillian. I am. Uh, grew up in Nashville. Uh, went to high school and, and it, for a couple of years in Northern Virginia. Otherwise, I was 
did MBA my junior and senior year, went to Vanderbilt, uh, did two stints at Vanderbilt, one at the uh, undergrad and one at the executive Owen program, um, worked for in the banking industry, uh, did some investment work in my 20s, and about 28 years old, I uh, joined Christy Cookies as, as president. Wow, at 28 years old. 28. Mm -hmm. The story there is that the uh, um, a guy named Mark Gill had uh, taken over as president for Christy Houck, who founded the company. Uh, Mark uh, was a terrific guy and had really done a good job of starting to turn the company around. Uh, at age 46, Mark was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And mm -hmm. I got to spend some time with Mark uh, before he passed. And, uh, and that was a very meaningful time to me. But uh, he, he passed. Um, I then came into that role I, while I was at the Owen School. My father was an a investor with Christy Houck, who founded the company. Uh, and, and at that time, I, my father said, well, what are you going to do after you get finished with this fancy degree of yours? And I said, well, I don't really know. And he said, well, why don't you help me out for a little while? I said, well, I'll help you out for a short while because I, I was uh, fearful of the family work relationship. Uh, but my father's been a great partner all these years and, uh, and, and proud of what we've done there. But uh, got involved after Mark passed and uh, been there ever since. I was 28. Didn't expect to be there for that long. Didn't know a thing about banking. I knew I was coming from a banking background. I was a, I'm going to think of myself more of a numbers guy. I learned operations. Uh, but still, uh, any chef that uh, I step into a kitchen with can call me out for being uh, ignorant in the kitchen very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, Will Newman from Edley's Barbecue said something similar. He's like, I'm I'm good with this stuff. I understand barbecue, but I put people around me that really understand it. He goes, I, believe me, I walk into a kitchen and people know real quick I'm not a chef. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Will. He's a good, good fella. He's he's a great guy. So tell me about Christy Cookie. I mean, obviously there's there's everybody knows about Christy Cookie. Everybody's had Christy Cookies, but tell me like the what is your ninety second elevator speech? Tell me about the company, what you're about, and just anything you can give our listeners um, just a, a good idea of what your company is. Well, to to customers, uh, the the customer facing message is that we have never changed recipes. Uh, compromised on our quality since we began uh, with the same recipes that Christy Houck created in his kitchen originally. Wow. Um, I think that was uh, the main thing to stick with when I came in, not knowing anything about baking. There, I do believe there's one thing you way to screw it up, and that is to start compromising on your quality. Um, it would be tempting, as some of our competitors over the years have done so, to say, you know, hey, butter prices are high this year, so we're going to uh, compromise. We're going to go to 80% butter, 20% margin, margarine this year, and over year, year over year, that happens again and again, and you're left with a, you know, a product that's nowhere near the original. So, the, we've never compromised on the quality of our ingredients, um, and that's that's what's I think kept us um, our commitment to our quality, our commitment to our brand is what's kept us uh, strong all these years. Internally, you know, we I treat it very much like a family business. Uh, integrity, open door communication, open door policy. Um, we engage all of our employees in the financial side of it. We engage, uh, we have a very inclusive bonus 
structure program. And, and with that bonus structure, I'm continually updating uh, our associates throughout the year as to how we're doing toward that. So it's it's very goal driven, it's very lucrative to, to those uh, associates, but it keeps everybody on the same path moving forward. What's what's your North Star? I mean, I, I think you said integrity and what's your true North that you're searching for? Is it transparency in everything you do? Is it, what's the, I guess you just kind of outlined some of your core values, but if I was to work there, is is having just that um, that knowledge of all of the financials and what we're all going for, is that what keeps everybody going in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, if, I guess to say North Star, um, you know, I want to sleep well at night, and I want to, and I want, I want to be able to face people the next day with um, whatever message uh, of integrity they need to trust me, trust the, the direction we're headed, and if they have any questions along the way, I want them to feel comfortable coming in and asking me. And, and I have uh, good relationships with uh, most all of our associates. There's, uh, I don't feel like there's. Uh, a, a hesitation to come in and see me and ask me any questions that somebody might have. Um, that we're all on the, all rowing in the same direction, so to speak. Very cool. Um, do the right thing. You know, I think that's the that's kind of what you're talking about integrity. Do the right thing. If you're always doing the right thing, you sleep a lot better at night. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're going that that where we're at. Um, so you, I, I think I read that you. 28, you take over the company, and your father and Christy Houck were partners, and, they, and you started slowly buying shares. That's right. And That's right. you ended up being the majority owner of the company at some point. Yes. <clears throat> and I really want to get into the last 13 months of your life, because I don't think anybody could have written a script like this. And... Um, I just kind of want to go through your thoughts and what it's been like for you. So August 22nd of 2019, is that the day? That was our, our close date. That was your close date. Um, so you were acquired by Rich's Food Foods. Is it Rich's Foods? Rich Products, yes. Rich Products. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Um, how'd that come to come about? Was it, was it how that was able to help your company? And um, just tell me that story. Gladly, um, it, it really goes back. It goes back further than 13 months. This probably goes back um, from today, maybe three years, uh, where we still got to the point where uh, we were starting to uh, back of our sales growth. It was on a very good trajectory. Um, our team was doing a fantastic job. Um, we began to disappoint customers as we. Had, had began to have some capacity challenges. Um, we were on a good growth trajectory, as I said, but but can, staying up with production demands was a real was becoming an issue for us. Um, and as I talked about, what the alternatives were to people who uh, were familiar with uh, buying and selling business, I worked with a, a dear friend of mine, a couple of them. One, Will Fitzgibbon, here in Nashville, uh, who's who has an investment banking is an investment banker and on the legal side, a guy named Mitch Walker, uh, both of those guys were very dear friends. I trust them all day long. And as we talked through a strategy going forward, the idea that you can't just sell into some a company with no capacity remaining, 
you need to, you know, they're going to have need some time to uh, digest the company, understand how it works, and you don't want to put them into a panic situation on, on day one. And I would say that we were uh, about up to about 80% of our capacity, and we were actually having to, we had a couple customers, we had to say, you know, sorry, we can't, we don't have enough capacity to help you anymore. That was extremely painful. Um, I can imagine. And with that, we were also had existing customers that we wanted to continue working with um, that we were disappointing. And so that that was keeping me up at night. Uh, so going back to, you know, wanting to sleep well at night, those were real challenges. Didn't want to disappoint customers, didn't want to disappoint our sales team who was out there working really hard in our in our operations, our production group was working hard to help meet these demands as well. So it was we were having some real challenges. We've been in this building over in Germantown now for about 20 years, and I never thought we would start to push the limits on capacity in that facility. Uh, but here we found ourselves really working. Um, we had two, I think we were 20, 20 hours a day. Uh, we had four shifts, uh, four different lines working. And it was, it, it was, you know, there were some, some sleepless nights there. Um, we Imagine. so the, the the decision to came up with the point at that time was okay now what do we do do we make investment in the building in a new building uh, what way do we go and uh, frankly I've been in it for 20 years um, I'm 51 that's too young to um, retire so to speak but it was also I'm too I took the point of view that I was too old to put the significant investment in that in in get the return out of it for the next 10 to 15 years that I would have to do so uh, based on the size of the investment needed. So we began looking for a partner um, and I'm absolutely thrilled with Riches. They have, uh, they have similar core values as we do. It's a family owned business. Um, They're not pressured by uh, outside shareholders to make decisions that might compromise the, the, the quality of the product, the quality of, of the what business that we've developed over the years. Uh, we share share a lot of the same same values that way. I uh, wasn't really sure that that would be the case going into it, but uh, but they turned out to be just a, a wonderful partner and, and I feel so fortunate to, uh, to be associated with them. Man, that's that, always the just a best case scenario. No, it's just a best case yeah. scenario when that happens, when you can find somebody that you're so in sync with that's yes. able to come in. So were they able to bring you, what were they able to bring you inside? You, you're, you're pushing capacity, you're doing all of those things. Have you built another facility? Are you able to produce no. more now? What did um, they bring? We've not built an, another. So they've, uh, they brought us uh, some real strength on the operations and the, the QA and the R&D side. Okay. Um, uh, and we be, we're beginning to integrate into the sales side, which is going to be very, very helpful as well. But uh, the, the strength in their experience on the uh, on the operation side has been really invaluable. They've got it brought us a, a, a team that, uh, that I'm working side by side with now, and they're terrific and in uh, teaching us a lot of things that we didn't know. You know, we you know, and and put, making some good investment in our building. They've committed to uh, staying in our in our facility in Germantown. Uh, you know, we do things like we, we, we are benefiting from things like their Murphy's, they have a Murfreesboro location where we take finished goods and store it there, but all the production is remaining in Germantown um, with the same 
same people we've we've had uh, there. Just it's some some new leadership, and they've come in and and made a um, built trust right away in in our team. And uh, our team's really thrilled with the way it's going. We haven't had any, not to fast forward too much, but through this difficult last year, we've really maintained our team uh, uh, throughout the process. So let's get into a little bit that that that's fantastic. I'm so excited for you. I know that that's a, that's a big time for the company, and it's a it's a big shot in the arm, and can definitely help. Um, so you're riding high. You close on August twenty second. You go into probably a good Christmas last year, and uh, you go into two thousand and twenty. You're doing a toast January first. Here we go, two thousand twenty. <laughs> The new Roaring Twenties. This is going to be fantastic. We're so excited. Our future is so bright. And I remember the night of March the 2nd. Um, my wife and I, it was a Monday night, and we were trying to watch The Bachelor. It was like The Bachelor tell. We watched appointment television for my wife and I. It's just one of those things. We just love it. And uh, they kept they, the, the show wasn't even on because they kept having these notifications that there's weather. The weather... The show just wasn't even on because it was just weather. There's tornadoes coming and, you know, there was nothing at our house. So we were kind of like, yeah, okay. Uh, went to bed to the next morning, multiple text messages and just like, oh, my gosh. I went down to Germantown. I was in Germantown that next morning at 830 in the morning with a chainsaw um, at Germantown Cafe and just all in that area. I work with some restaurants over there. So I was just down there. And I remember seeing the carnage and kind of doing a little bit of research for this interview i looked back at my pictures from that morning and gosh i just had this emotional kind of response to looking at all those pictures i took that that morning tell me your personal experience as to what what were you doing the night of march 2nd and how did that whole thing unfold i don't remember what i was (laughs) what we were watching that night um it wasn't the bad it, it, it could, I, I doubt it, but it, it, it could have been. Um, I woke up, I, I remember the, the sirens going off in the neighborhood where we live. And, and my wife, I, I think it was about two o'clock, she, she woke me up. She heard a bunch of, like we had some pots and flower pots on the porch. And she got up and to go out to, to put them down the ground so they didn't fall off the table. And she went back to bed then she got up about four and she said hey i just turned on the news and this tornado hit pretty hard you might want to it looks like it's near your office you might want to turn you might want to watch this and i said and i you know was still asleep i said you know whatever it is it'll be fine i'll be i'll see it in the morning she says no i really think you need to look at this and i so i open up my eyes i look on tv and i think it was channel five was actually broadcasting from in front of our building and oh. And the the whole facade is is torn off. So I jump out of bed and I go down to the <laughs> yeah. office and and uh, Brian, our maintenance uh, head of maintenance, he was already on site and just the two of us and and we, we we climbed up on the roof and to see what was going on and it was uh, you know aside from the the bricks from the facade all being torn off, we had lost a. Uh, a good bit of the roofing had been, just been pulled back from the tornado. In addition to the the roofing being pulled back, all the debris that the tornado picked up uh, picked up like trees and branches and threw it down on the roof. Mm. And we had this uh, this uh, membrane 
roof that basically just punctured put i think they counted something like 80 holes in the roof so it was just like water waterfalls because remember there was a big rain they followed the tornado so in addition to the um the tornado damage the, the water just kept dripping into uh the roof and uh, through these holes in the membrane in the area of the roof where it was pulled back was over a conference room upstairs and ended up being about three or four inches of standing water in that conference room and then that water as you know just it just pervaded throughout the entire office area upstairs so brian and i stood up on top of the roof and i looked over at uh at the the burger joint across the, the street jack brown's jack brown's and the, the they had this beautiful old tree uh that, that was set up the picnic table sat under and it had been fully uprooted and, and just all the the carnage left behind was was just it was, it was devastating devastating and it, germantown still hasn't really returned people yet uh as it, as it was because all those apartment buildings were declared uh condemned uh yeah. around us so it's we're missing people in germantown these days Wow. So was anybody that works for your company, everybody was safe? Were you, you weren't in the middle of production of any kind during that time? We, we were not in production. We had a sanitation team that was in the building that, uh, at the time. Everybody was fine. The tornado hit that the, our building's 41,000 feet in the front. The, the tornado hit the front of the building where we have office and, and our bakery storefront. In the back of the building is the production area. And, and uh it just came right over their heads and, and they didn't nobody was hurt luckily we had we had five people sit, sitting uh, working in the facility at the time wow so what do you do i mean gosh you're there you're looking around as the leader of this company you're looking around what what are you, what's going through your brain are you just thinking like what are we at sales how are we going to produce product Oh my gosh! Like, what what are you thinking about? Well, that that was the worry: is how how quickly is do we have is our equipment damaged, and if so, how quickly can we get back into uh, production? Um, we do keep inventory on hand that, and not at our facility, but as a preventative measure uh, at an offsite cold storage facility. So we knew we had product that wasn't damaged, uh, as long as our tornado we didn't know the tornado didn't hit that facility but uh but it turned out to be fine but how quickly could we get back up and running was, became the main focus and and our team jump into place and that's where the the riches um relationship you now was the first instance of like wow so glad to have this additional support um because they they brought a, a team in right away to uh to help us make sure we got up and running and, and we really never missed a beat but uh but it was it was scary but we did it was uncertainty you just don't know so you go through all of this and you you this other company your company comes in you get the support you're up and running what was the time from march 3rd what day did you guys fully ramp up to reopen your, your production there um we put we ended up we were down for we patched the roof first and as soon as we patched the roof, we could get back up and, and running. Um, wow. And so we got we caught some backup on some inventory in, in within a couple of weeks. Then we took the took the plant down for a couple of weeks while we redid the we 
resurfaced the entire roof at that point. So we're down for two weeks. But but in between, we're able to build inventory to get us through that uh, new roof period. Sure. Uh, I think I think in hindsight, I think we're down for about a month of uh, uh, before it was about a month after the tornado, I should say, before we were back to to normal, really. And I won't say normal because our bakery storefront to this day is still closed. Uh, is is we, our main objective was to get the production back up and going. The the windows on the front of the building were entirely blown out. There was glass everywhere, um, and and the, the, our ceilings were blown out as well. And and so our I in 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 a, in a moment of levity, I like to say we got two week head start on COVID because <laughs> we we had moved all of our staff home because of the tornado because the office was in disrepair. So we we did get a, a head start on remote uh work which uh it's not how we wanted to go about it but we actually you know it it actually in a way kind of fortunate yeah that's um i i you know some of those restaurants that had some issues that had to close for a long time i kind of thought hey they kind of in all if when nobody was hurt you know the fact that insurance wasn't covering covid19 as a appropriate you know lost business so, I mean, the fact that a tornado could cover as lost business during that time, I think besides just the people not coming in, they kind of uh, did okay. What else in the Germantown neighborhood? Because I know that's such a tight neighborhood and it's so, it's one of my favorite neighborhoods in the entire city. And yeah. it's just been devastated through this. Yeah. So many people are focusing on COVID-19 right now. Are there things right now people can be doing to help in that neighborhood? Is there stuff that still needs to be done? Is there a foundation that people could donate to? If my listeners or listeners going, man, you know what? I kind of forgot about the tornado people and they still need help. What is there people can do right now? Is there anything? Well, I'm, I'm not sure of, of an organized effort, um, but we have some, one thing I love as I listen to your, some of your, uh, previous recordings here, Brandon, is what you're doing for the local restaurants. And those have been the ones, whether it's COVID or tornado, that have been hit so hard and just bringing uh, that to the forefront. Uh, we have so many lo good, locally, wonderfully locally owned restaurants in the Germantown area. Um, that I mean, it's really a hotbed for the restaurants in Nashville. And and just come see us, come, come to Germantown, come eat at those restaurants, uh, or if some are doing carry out, whatever it may be, just come, those are, those are the places that we want to have bounce back quickest. Um, one of your comments, I think I heard you say, we don't necessarily need another red lobster or it's a, or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, red lobster, but, but yes, come, come see Henry Ed Reds, come see Jack Brown's, uh, all, all those places are, are, you know, just wonderful places for their, our, our city. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a whole bunch of restaurants over there in Germantown. I was going to ask you for a couple of your personal favorites, uh, but it sounds like Henrietta Red and Jack Browns are are real close to where you are and in both fantastic places to go. They they are those are those are terrific spots. Um. So yeah. So we kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's get into two weeks after the tornado. You're still getting stuff together you're still trying to figure out what the heck happened you're putting your neighborhood together and they close everything down so i mean let's talk about who your number one clients are who the people you sell the most cookies for you i don't know if people know this now i didn't know this is that every time we go out of town we go we stay at the park vista when we go to gatlinburg that is a double tree 
Right. Every time we go there, my kids like almost Pavlov's dog. They walk in the door and they go, "Where's my cookie? <laughs> Where's my cookie? Where is it?" And it's the best darn cookie on the planet. But the Double Trees, the cookie was it is a Christie cookie, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've been making the Double Tree cookie for since 1996. Um, I think we're pr pretty close to approaching half a billion cookies uh, that we've made for them uh, <laughs> over that over that time period. Um, they've been a wonderful partner. It's it's the probably my proudest moment, uh, or I won't say particular moment, but uh, relationship I'll say of our company. Uh, we've been through. We began working with them when DoubleTree was independently owned. Uh, uh, they were then they merged with. Hamptons and called the company called they renamed the company Promise. Uh, then Promise was bought by Hilton. Hilton was bought by the Blackstone Group, taken private. Um, then came back and went public again. And over the twenty years, that's the one relationship that I've held on to, knowing that it was our biggest relationship. When I got to the company, came to Christie Cookies, they were seventy percent of our volume, and that was wow. that was terrifying. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. well, if somebody's going to uh, mess this one up. It better be me that messes it up, and not not somebody else. So, uh, I've over that twenty year period, I've probably had twenty different relationship uh, managers that I've worked with at Hilton, um, and I've got some dear friends that you know through that, some dear friends that have come out of over the years. But uh, it's they've been a wonderful partner. They are struggling right now. They're going through a difficult time. Um, the hospitality imagine. industry is challenged as, as people are not traveling. The business traveler is not out there right now. So that's another one um, of your large clients is restaurants. You're selling to restaurants. Uh, we're selling to restaurants and we're selling to airlines. So um, <laughs> the, you know, we, the we, we strike one, two, and three we, for COVID-19. Yeah, on a bright spot though, what we are we do a fair amount of business with uh, with grocery uh, bakeries, and uh, and so that's been a, a it's not nearly enough for us to offset the uh, uh, the the loss on the on the hospitality side, but uh, but it's been a, a bright spot and kind of a uh, you know a rough patch so to speak, but but there are definitely signs of the uh, the hospitality side picking up again it's mm -hmm. certainly they're they're coming back but it's just a slow slow comeback at this point so all of this i, mean, I think i read that 80 percent of your business was reduced due to covid19 just with restaurants airlines and hotels not really i mean airlines were basically not flying they cut off all the different flights restaurants were closed uh for everything for all dine-in and then hotels have been essentially closed for a long time they're kind of coming back now but as a leader for your company this is the kind of stuff that real true grit and this is how leaders are made i know you've been a leader in this company a long time and one of the things i've been talking about on the show is how we've had to lead in a different way you know so nobody's there's no book patrick lencioni didn't write a book that was and, you know, death by meetings during a pandemic. There's nothing that is during a pandemic. You've had to, and I don't want to use the word pivot, but you've had to change the way you lead, I would assume, throughout all of this. How have you done that? And what's been the thing that you feel like has been most successful for you? And I'm going to ask you on the other side, what's the, what have you learned? What's the, what's the biggest mistake that you've made? Yeah. 
Well, I think it's a little bit day to day. Um, you know, it's it's been it's just been overall difficult. But as best we can, staying in touch with our with our senior management team, um, trying to understand what their concerns are, what they're faced with. Uh, I, I just being there and being supportive and caring for them and what they're going through for all of our employees. It's tough um, time in that not just from a work standpoint, but people are having challenges. If a spouse may have lost their job um, or experiencing any kind of, if, if somebody in their home has experienced COVID, uh, or whatever it may be, there, there's it's a very difficult time. And just trying to be compassionate and caring, uh, it, those are easy things to do, but they say, you know, I say it's easy, but it's also, meaningful to those people is we have always wanted to be a family business um, and and treat our coworkers from a, as family members uh, to be there for them during this time. And and that's been the biggest challenge. Also, I'm not challenged been what I've tried to do. Uh, in addition to that, just just the care. It, it, it's been tough not well, seeing them face to face. And I think that's been the, the hardest part about it is, you know, these Zoom calls are, you know, it's nice to see somebody's face, but until you really get to see them, and I, you know, and I'm a hugger, you know, I, and, and yeah. when I see somebody, I'm, I'm giving hugs and not to be able to do that. I've actually implemented the, uh, the, the uh, bottom bump with a lot of our employees where we just bump each other uh, <laughs> that way because you don't even necessarily want the, the fist bump is uh, is even, you know, maybe a little passe. But uh, well, I've always it, I think it's cool because chefs always, you know, if you walk into a kitchen, chefs are always like cutting fish or, you know, doing whatever their hands always have stuff on them. So I always thought that it was like an industry thing because I always walk into kitchens and give guys the elbow. You're like, what's up, man? How you doing? Like, uh -huh. like what's an elbow bump? And like, now it's common. <laughs> the common courtesy these days. Right, right. Well, I love what you said just there. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people are experiencing, but it's hard to put words into. So before we were leading through a metric or some kind of KPI that we're kind of identifying, hey, our work needs to be this, 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 and this. And it's almost easy to look at a PL or look at numbers daily metrics and and make decisions and while those things are important right now i think the people aspect of what we're doing is really where leadership has turned and like you said looking at somebody face to face not just having phone calls people need the interaction with somebody and they also need to know that you care i mean people that really spend time learning about their employees and learning about their spouses and their children and leading from an empathic view, I think right now is more vital than ever. And I just love that you you kind of said that. That's exactly what you're saying is that we've really been, we care about our people and leading has changed a little bit because we do have to look at it that way. Am I paraphrasing the right way? No, that's I, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, you know, I've always told, whenever I interview somebody to come to work, I always say, you know, I want you to enjoy being here. I can't assure that you're going to enjoy being here, but um, if you're going to spend more working hour, more day, more hours in the day here than you are with your family, so enjoy it. And if it doesn't, if I can't create the environment that you enjoy, let me help you go somewhere else that you do. Because why not? Why not be happy uh, where you're working? And and you know, this may not be perfect place for everybody. 
but I do my best to make it that way, you know, to make it where you, you know, enjoy being looking forward to coming into work. Now that's a little different right now because they're not coming into work. And that's where the, you know, I, the hardest part for me through all this has been not seeing people. We're not, you know, we're not in the office. We're not planning to, we will be in the office uh, to fulfill our holiday sales, which we expect to be a, a robust fourth quarter for us. But we're still going to be working remote for most of our team until after the new year. And, and that's, that's hard. Mm. Well, that was my, one of my next questions was going to be, what do you see the future over the next six months being, but have you made any mistakes throughout this? Have you done anything throughout this as a leader that you've kind of went, Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And what did you learn from that? Anything you care to, to mention? I know that's not the thing most people like to admit. Well, as I say, I think of my kids as you, say that and it's one of those things like until they're 25 well i know where i'm you know they're 16 and 13 now well i mess it maybe won't know till i'm 20 till they're 25 whether i made the mistakes or, or what they were <laughs> uh and it'll be too late it'll be too late at that point um it's you know it it's been a little bit survival mode um it, and i don't uh uh you know, it, it's it, 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 during this period, you haven't had a whole lot of time to really debate, uh, you know, a lot of decisions that are made. And it's been a little bit more fly by the seat of the pants. The team at Riches who's come in and the resources they brought us have really been uh, extremely helpful in, you know, bringing some stability. Uh, I, I've, I've said without them, I think I might be. Uh, balled up in the corner, sucking my thumb in the fetal position, uh, had it not been for the the help that they brought us. Um, so I feel so extremely, extremely fortunate. Yeah, I mean that's another big part of leadership right now is listening to other people and collaboration. I mean, you know, having people like that that can help lead you, I think, also is another big part for me. Is as I talk to leaders every day is I'm not just asking these questions for the general public. I'm looking for ideas, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly um, out there talking. It's funny you said about the kids. I have five and seven year old boys who great, you know, were out of school since like late February when the first Williamson County case was there. Uh, my kids were out of school and I've been home too. And I've been working and, you know, I'm, Normally, you know, seven to five, I try and be going all day long. And I'm, I, I stay pretty busy, as I'm sure you do as well. But every time that, like, I'm, I'm up here and I have, like, an office in my bonus room. And I go downstairs. And every time I walk downstairs, I'm, like, on the phone or I'm doing something. And I hear this, Dad, Dad, you got to see this, Dad. You gotta, I'm like, guys, ho hold on. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone, which I'd normally not be at home working. But now I'm home and I have, I'm interacting in the middle of the day. Every time I do this. I, I hear in the back of my brain, I hear the song Cats in the Cradle play <laughs> because, I'm, because I'm home all the time now. And it's like every time I walk, I'm like, when you're coming home, son, I don't know. I'm like, any day it's going to be this. William, you want to go out and play? And he's like, Dad, sorry, I got to go hang out with my friends or I'm busy. Yeah. I'm busy. And I'm like, I had all this time during quarantine and I just worked. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I have no idea the damage I'm creating uh, until a little bit later on. But it's funny you say that. Okay. I'll just, I'll just trying to make it by and, and, you know, gosh, I hope this thing ends soon. 
so do I. So do I. I I just, you know, we're we're at the about 40 minute mark in talking. And um that's about where I, I try and keep the interviews to. Is there anything you that I haven't covered? I just kind of wanted to hear your perspective, what your story was, what your last, you know, I said your last 13 months have had a lot going on. And um, anything else you particularly want to talk about? I was going to tell you a story about, um, do I, did I read correctly? You have a, a, a distribution background. Uh, yes. Okay. That's what I thought. So, um, one of the one of the biggest moments in our in the time that I've been at Christy Cookie so um, was 2013. In 2000, to back up to 2001, we won the uh, private label gourmet cookie for U.S. Foods. Then you you have it was U.S. Foods where you were, right? I, yeah, I was a district sales manager at U.S. Foods. Okay, you remember the Devonshire line of desserts? Of course. Okay, so we made the Devonshire cookie for from 2001 to 2013. In 2013, there was a management change and there were some connections. We, we were actually um, put out to RFP. We were, it was our recipe. It was the same recipe we made for Devonshire as we put under our brand today this was like one of those moments it was like the worst time and the best time um and the worst time is that uh basically i naively as far as lessons learned naively we lost that business and i thought well we can't lose it because we own the recipe well what i've learned is that somebody can knock off the recipe and put it in you know and that's the, the dangers of private label so at that point we learned the, our, you know, the faced with the decision of it was about a third of our revenue that we lost with that wow. at that time. And it happened real fast and what to do at that point. And I, so faced with do you cut costs or do you reinvest? And we invested a significant amount of money into rebranding Christie Cookies and worked with uh, a, who's now become just a dear friend, a guy named Paul Brothers and his firm out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Brothers and Company. And the brand that you see today on Christie Cookies is what came out of our, our rebranding. Um, it, it, the, the mission there was to tell our story, to talk about our quality of ingredients, talk about our care for our customers um, and our tradition and heritage. And, and that we, we began to tell the story a whole lot better than we had ever told it before, because prior to that, we were really focused on selling this Devonshire brand. Um, and it wasn't our story, it was somebody else's story. But at the time, it was, it was, it was, it was needed volume. Um, but so it's one of those things like, we got, we got let go from US Foods, it was a, a, a terrifying time but in hindsight is the best thing that ever happened to our company the, the rebranding taking making the decision to rebrand to go down that path to build our brand which is in hindsight all that we can really control is what we own and we own the brand um, was was a powerful lesson and the best thing that ever happened to Christy cookies that's what was the genesis for that sales increase that carried all the way to 2000 
17, 18, where we realized, okay, we're growing at such a rate that we're going to need a new partner to help us carry on or, or investment. And that was where the decision to sell to, to Richards came from. Wow. What, a, what a cool story. I love stories like that. And I, I'm going to lose half my listeners right now with what I'm about to say, and it's okay. Um, I'm a spiritual person and sometimes I believe that, um, things happen for a reason. You know, I believe it wholeheartedly that sometimes through, through the ashes come amazing things. And, um, mm -hmm. sometimes when you can't control everything that happens, sometimes you just kind of got to put it in somebody else's hands and, um, take care of you. It's amazing how sometimes these adverse experiences can turn into something that, you know, you had no idea what's going to happen. That's happened in my life multiple times and I, I have one one person to thank and um it sounds sounds like a similar situation there yeah that was a an awfully fortunate uh we were, we were very fortunate coming out of there and, and feel lucky every day that's amazing uh, i always end every interview with a kind of maybe this was that story if if there's anything you want to say if you want to open i open the floor to all of my guests to say whatever they want to the city of Nashville. You have an open mic. Say whatever you want. Finish off the interview with uh, words of wisdom, rant, complaint, joy, whatever you want to say. Uh, no complaints here. Um, I love the message of your program, so I know I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but uh, um, visit our locally owned restaurants. Uh, those are the one people who are... Uh, out there on the front lines uh trying to those, those are the play establishments we need to see uh, uh rise up out of this this difficult time and the way to help them is to go eat at those restaurants and support them uh support the the, the servers the bartenders and the, the restaurants themselves and uh and hopefully this stuff all passes over quick that's what makes our cities those restaurants are what make this city so great amen Amen. They are. And um, I could say a lot more on top of that, but thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for spending the time with us uh, and sharing your story. Thanks, Brandon. I enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Thanks. Fleming well. Big thank you to Fleming Will for joining Nashville Restaurant Radio and uh, Squeaky Wheel PR. I want to say a big thank you to Amanda Virgilito, she is amazing. And just wanted to uh, thank everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. I don't care who you are. We just want to say thank you. Because whatever it is you're doing out there, I'm sure it's awesome. And uh, you may not have heard thank you today from somebody for something that you did. But you know what? I'm saying it right now. Thank you. You are appreciated. You are awesome. You're an amazing person. Whatever you're doing right now, just... Pat yourself on the back because uh, we all need a little bit of affirmation today and you are enough. You're amazing. Yes, you. You're who I'm talking to. <laughs> Thank you all for listening today. We hope that you are being safe and uh, we will see you Thursday at 3.30 live on Facebook and YouTube for the Roundup. Love you guys. Bye.